thanks for pressing play. Have you ever wondered what it takes to upend one of the oldest categories ever? Create real, radical innovation and do something that almost everyone in the industry said was impossible? If so, you're going to love this dialogue. Like all legendary entrepreneur category designers, John Spagnola had an aha moment when he thought, how come no one's creating custom blended spirits so that hotels, bars, restaurants, and nightclubs, and even special event organizers and companies could have their own unique custom branded and blended whiskeys, vodkas, and rums? People said it was impossible. The legacy booze industry thumbed their nose at John. Well, John thought they were wrong, so he got busy, and he founded a company called You Blend It. And now, he's proving the incumbents in the spirits category were absolutely wrong. You see, ever since You Blend It uh, got started, they've been on a tear, changing the game for his customers by enabling them to radically differentiate themselves by having their own booze brands. John is the epitome of a pirate, dreamer, and innovator. And I must say, this episode goes better with libations. Now, before we get started, I also want to share with you a special two-part series that we're doing on Lockhead on Marketing. First, we're digging into what happens when a barrier is broken. How, when a true breakthrough happens, it opens a door, changes what's possible. So in our first of this two-part series, I'll break down one of the greatest breakthroughs in human performance and tie how that breakthrough is analogous to the category NATO that is happening around us now. In the second episode, I'll dig into what is happening in our economy right now through the category design lens. And what I tell you is, there is a very real chance we are at the start of a new roaring 20s. And most people, I think, are going to miss it. And I don't want you to. So wherever you get oddcasts, check out Lockhead on Marketing, hit subscribe, because I'd hate you to miss this special two-part series. This is Christopher Lockhead, Follow Your Different. Thank you for making us the number one business dialogue podcast for people who believe that real different conversations can and do change the world. We're brought to you by our good friends at NetSuite. Check out netsuite.com slash different and our friends at Splunk, the leaders in data to everything. Check out splunk.com slash D, the number two, the letter E. Now, as Joey Ramone said, hey ho, let's go. Well, John, tell me about all this new facility you're building. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy the growth we've seen. You know, when you're in the thick of it, it always seems like you're never growing fast enough. You're not going to, like, I want more, 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 more. But you kind of take a step back and you can kind of see where we started. So, you know, in 2019, the beginning of that, we were in a uh, 1,000 square foot storage facility. It was like pretty much, you know, 1,000 square feet is like a large garage. <laughs> and uh we were we were mixing things with you know uh, 55 gallon drums and stainless steel tanks like 55 gallons nothing and I, and I remember being nervous about it because i would ask my uh investors at the time like uh hey we need to make a pretty big buy here i need to buy like 2500 dollars 
in ethanol. But it's going it, to, trust me, we're going to use it. It's going to be okay. And now I buy $40,000 tankers like every month <laughs> of ethanol. It's crazy. But yeah, but back then, so we worked and we grew. And within that, the next year, we, uh, we moved up to a 6,500 square foot space that I looked for and found one in Scotts Valley. And we've, we were there for about a year and a quarter. Then we're like, wow, we, we literally can't walk in our facility. We have to take stuff out of our facility so that the workers can come in and work. And then like, it doesn't work well with the rain. So uh, it became just this, this constant battle of how can we pay, play Tetris enough with 6,500 square feet. And I remember when I first walked in there, I was like so scared because my overhead went up so much. And I was saying, uh, okay, well, this is, this is a lot bigger. And I remember my investor again at the time, you know, he's nervous. He was, he was saying... Maybe we sublease part of this out to somebody or something because it was like, to, in our minds, it was that big, right? And then now you can't even walk in it a year and a quarter later. And then it's like, okay, well, we made bigger. So we went and found, I shopped around for quite a while. And luckily I found this building. It's a massive building in Scotts Valley called the Avisa building. And it's like 200 something thousand square feet. But we made a deal to take on like 30,000, be the anchor tenants and take on like 30,000 square feet of it. It was like, Originally, I think a Lockheed Martin facility, uh, you know, in the 60s or something. And uh, it's, you know, it was old, really terrible, terrible condition. Uh, It was very strong. It was like a concrete monster building, like good guts. But everything else was uh, totally just old tile, just terrible luckily they did all they wanted to sell the building so they did all the testing so there's no asbestos or anything like that and so it's had all the check the boxes checked and it's totally cleared so that's that's a good thing but then um yeah we we're thinking for a second we're like okay we'll take like fifteen thousand square feet here and then we're thinking about it's like dude we're gonna grow out of this in one second so let's take about 30 so we took two ginormous you know rooms and I was like, let's just kind of go really big on this one. And we know we're going to keep growing. Like this is working at this point. So let's let's invest in this and let's make it so I don't have to move every year. And in this building, instead of like actually moving everything, I could just keep expanding over and taking more and more of the building. So it's a perfect place for us. Uh, and it's, it's you know, we're going to be able to have a mock bar in it for clients. We can't have, you know, general public uh you know, like we can't charge for cocktails or have a, like an official bar with our licensing. But, you know, it's a great place to bring in clients, bring in people like you who want to see things. We'll have this mock bar in it for, you know, demos. That's going to be really cool. Just killer. Just we have this insane view of all the mountains, like these ridge lines. It's so cool. And uh, it has an, an excellent employee room. I really want to create a startup feel for you blended. Like, I don't want this to feel like a just a regular spirits company because I when we started this thing, you know, I've gotten in so many conversations with, you know, guys who do this, you know, have done spirits forever. It's always the same thing. There's like one mindset in spirits. And it's like, that's the mindset. It's build a brand. You do one brand or, you know, maybe a couple things in your brand. And you just, you work with a distributor who hopefully will get you into a lot of places. And hopefully you can get lucky and you can be one of those the next Tito's and make billions of dollars and just create that, you know, Tito's vodka. And everybody's about that. And everyone I've talked to that's been in this industry forever is like, yeah, what you're doing is cute, but what you're going to do is you're going to move to this model eventually. But the more I go into it, I'm like, no, you're totally wrong. The way you're thinking about it is totally wrong. There is so many angles that we can manipulate here, you know, that you, you're not even thinking about. 
So, you know, coming in from never doing booze before, never really caring that much about booze. You know, I I like to drink, but, you know, I was never in my family didn't do like generations of craft distilling, you know, and from you You didn't change your last name from Seagram or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. Right. So but but, you know, I, I am really into new things and I've always wanted to create something that was significant, that was game changing. And I wanted to be a disruptor. And the investor I have who is, you know, or it's, it's a couple, um, both of them are in kind of the same page. They're really cool. They really, you know, they're willing to take risks. They want to do something new and they want to have a cool company. That was their whole, our whole conversation. It's like, let's, I want to do a GoPro or something, something that we can have like events with something that we can, it could be a fun thing for us. You know, they, they work really hard in a mortgage company. So it's like, you can't get, sorry, but you can't get too much more boring than a mortgage company. Right. So it's like, let's use the the money from that to actually build something that is really exciting. So we, we kind of worked for a while to try and figure this out. And then we found, we kind of came across this via somebody suggesting a different business model that wouldn't have worked because um, there's a three tier system and you can't like, we can't sell directly to people. Right. Yeah. I'll, I'll kind of get into all the evolutions of what we, what we're getting into, but it's kind of circled back to where oh, actually that was kind of possible. It just had to be worth it for us. So let me see if I can, from what I understand, see if this is right. It appears that um, you have had this radically different idea to what I would describe as design a new category of spirits, whereby if I'm a restaurant or bar owner, I can come to you and say, hey, John, you know, look, I love whiskey. We stock all these unbelievable whiskeys and bourbons and all this stuff. But we've always dreamed of having our own. But, you know, we're a local restaurant or a local bar. And you allow me to create my own special blend of things that I think I would like or my, my customers would like. And then you, you create the product and you brand it and you allow me to sell, you know, Lockhead's whiskey at Lockhead's bar. Is that the idea? Yeah, that's it. So that's one of the main categories that that's like the biggest different one we did. And people said you couldn't do that, right? You couldn't do custom spirits at scale. Well, people said it wasn't, I don't think that anyone ever said you could not do that because you, you definitely can do it. They just didn't think it was worth it or worth your time. They thought like, you know, they kind of just blazed right over that because it's like, oh man, then I'm going to have, what I heard many times was, well, you're going to have end up with so many SKUs that, you know, you're just going to say, forget it. And I just want to do one SKU and just get really good at one SKU. And I'm like, well, if, if Amazon could have, you know, like a trillion SKUs, why can't we have you know, 2000, you know, it's like, can't we just become like an Amazon, you know, kind of model and just get really, really good at, um, you know, doing a lot of SKUs. Like what if we actually just wrapped all our, our thinking power around how do we make that really efficient? Let's get the right partners in place, the right printers in place who will do deals with us. Label variation can be so expensive, but I found this incredible, you know, label company that was like, Hey, any label you want, any size, any shape, I'll pay for all that stuff. And we're just going to do a flat rate of X amount, you know, which is, it was a great price for us. We're just going to do that custom rate and you guys can go crazy. And then for that, all of a sudden that's unlocked so much. And he also delivers within a week to me, which the other companies took two to three weeks. 
Uh, this And the owner of this company, and it's a pretty big company, the owner drives down and hand delivers it because he, he sees what we're doing. And he's like, this is killer. I want to be part of this. So he comes down, checks in with us, hand delivers all our labels. And we have all these different SKUs. And, if, and we started making a deal with him. He, he just says, hey, I'm just going to print a bunch of extra. I'll throw them on my shelf. So you don't even have to worry about it. Just call me. I'm going to have like 2000 of all of these labels on the shelf. I'll send them right down to you. So it's that made it possible. Lately, they've had um, cool new technologies come out with proofing and like the actual you know, distilling parts of it that have allowed this to be possible. That's made it so, you know, we can manage and we can be completely scalable where, you know, if we're trying to distill everything and do it like really a traditional model, this would not be possible. So I kind of understand where people come from from there, but there's all these new different uh, elements that have opened up to allow us to to be so versatile. And the other thing I love about what you're doing is, and correct me if you think about it differently, but as a as somebody who's sort of consuming what you're doing, uh, literally, <laughs> <laughs> if I'm a restaurant or bar owner, particularly today, you know, I'm fighting to stay alive. And one of the things that all businesses look for is this word differentiation. And a lot of people seem to forget that the root word of differentiation is different. And yep. so, hey, I can sell Jack Daniels and Basil Hayden and McCallum and, you know, and, and some niche ones that are amazing. You know, it's all kinds of incredible whiskeys and bourbons and vodkas and tequilas and, and all that stuff. And that's cool. But if I have Lockhead's Bar and Grill and there's only one Lockhead whiskey or vodka, that by definition is fucking a differentiator. <laughs> and so what appears to me to be so legendary is so many companies, so many entrepreneurs are product focused. Let's build a great whiskey and do everything you just described that everybody in the industry does. It seems to me, but you tell me how you thought about it, that you said, well, what does the restaurant and bar owner want? Maybe some of them want their own shit tailored to their taste differentiated, branded as such. And so you, unlike most spirits makers, you put yourself in the shoes of your customer and you ask the question, or at least it seems to me, you'll tell me, how can we create something legendary and differentiated for them? Yeah, totally. So what what this all actually started out on uh, is when we, I had to do a lot of research on uh, our market, right? Like what, who's gonna actually buy this thing? How can we actually serve them best? What is their pain points? Or what are their pain points? You know, what what can we do here? And uh, so talking to a lot of bars and restaurants, a lot of it came down to price. There was kind of two factors that interest people. One was price, because they got to make money. And one was custom labels, because they think it's cool and they want to support their own brand. And I so I decided um, to create something that was kind of a win-win situation for both of us. So my commitment and what I actually wrapped this entire business around to our mission statement is to help uh, bars, restaurants, and retailers be more profitable and more successful. And what I mean by that is in profitable, it's 100%. I've made a commitment to the bars. I want to have all of our prices, you know, pretty much the lowest I can make them. And that's, it's almost always the, like, by far the cheapest on the market. So we come in, it, making it a no-brainer. We're like, hey, uh, here's better products than what you're buying because everything, quality is a massive, massive thing. Like I have meetings like weekly about how are we up in the game in quality? You know, let's make better seals. Let's, you know, I heard a problem about this going, let's buy better machines. Let's, you know, uh, make 
everything the best we can, even down to, you know, hey, you know, I heard that somebody was climbing on the pallets to reach some other things. We need to buy more safe ladders in here, not just for safety quality, but also for I don't want footprints on the pallets, on the boxes. That's stupid. It's like nothing. These things seem to look premium. Everything has to be the best, but for the cheapest price. And a lot of people, it takes us some time to actually train them because it doesn't make any sense. It's like, hold on. We I, the best that's ever been told for me was when I myself uh, last year drove up to all the way to San Francisco from Aptos, California, which is like you know an hour and thirty minute drive or whatever for where we were going to deliver like ten cases of vodka, this custom label vodka, because on a Saturday night, because the guys have run out, and like if you're talking with any distributor, <laughs> good luck, like that that'll never happen. We will make that happen. Uh, we're 100% committed to these customers. Even when we grow to such a large state that it's just re- outrageous, I'll have a sales rep go up. We will make it happen. So there's that. But the guy, when I got there, said something that just kind of stuck with me. He goes, do you fucking understand you're giving me goose for $5 a bottle? This is goose. He met gray goose, right? So it's like gray goose is you know, 20 something bucks for a liter um, or more, You know, probably even more than that. Ours is five bucks and it's, it's taste at the same level or better. So this guy, and he was, that's the thing that stuck with me. He's like, you're giving me goose for $5. And it, it, he's like, I wish he literally said, I wish that I had found you 10 years ago when I started this company. I was like, well, we weren't there yet, but we were, <laughs> we didn't exist yet. But you know, even a couple of years ago, he's like, well, now you have us forever. And it's just upped their margins because they pay for a single drink. When they pour one drink, they pay for the bottle. So talk about helping a company be more profitable. Uh, so there's that. There's other vodkas you can buy that are similar price, but they're all really garbage. It's like the lowest of the low. You're not getting quality like this. But then we we kind of cap it and we say, hey, we do have like, a, we don't have an official minimum that we make you order, but we like it if you buy like 10 cases to you know 15 cases a month between all the products. So you can say vodka, rum, just gin, whiskey flavors, all these things, right? coconut rums if you do that i'll uh, we're happy to make you a custom label and we can do some really cool stuff for you and one of the things that kind of was the win for us and the win for them was there was this game that i never wanted to participate where it's which is what the reps play for you know southern wine and spirits and um youngs and all these guys so they come in and they say they first have these games where they they try and get you exclusive by by making you work for them so i always say you blend it works for you it's not the other way around. And when you say that the traditional booze distributor makes the bar or restaurant owner work for them, what do you mean by that, John? Yeah. So essentially they'll say, hey, um, if you buy 10 cases of this thing that you don't want, say it's like this peanut butter whiskey or something, then we'll give you a super sweet deal on this thing that you do Is want. Is peanut butter whiskey a thing? Yeah. it's It actually uh, did really well. I forgot the name of the brand. Um, that just killed it. Is it, it good? Because I love peanut butter and I sure love whiskey, but the idea of a peanut butter whiskey at first blush doesn't sound very appealing to me. So, so everything is good in the right context, right? So think about it with coffee. To me, that sounds delicious. So um, think of it as like a Bailey's substitute. Sure, that sounds fantastic. Um, but, you know, if you're just drinking it straight, maybe not the best thing. I don't know. Uh, and it's some, for some people, it is. The thing is, you don't have to win everybody. You can be a, a niche market. You can get the kids or whoever, you know, whoever wants to 
pretend like they're drinking hard <laughs> whiskey and then they have the peanut butter whiskey. So it's like, uh, you know, it, it's always in the context. So, but yeah, that there's stuff like that, right. Where there's also things that happen, which is there's this thing called allocation where it's like, they won't let you buy these premium whiskeys, uh, that are, you know, 12 year whiskeys and things that are really kind of rare or like more rare on the market, unless, unless you buy a lot of cases of just whatever. So you, you actually then are incentivized to have to buy everything and put their menus and like move a lot of products so that you can get allocation so you can actually buy other products. And so, so in that way, the distributor is really dictating how, yes, if I'm the restaurant owner, how my business needs to operate. And I got to buy all this stuff that maybe I don't really want, or maybe my customers don't really want in order to get the super ding dong, special bourbon, whiskey, whatever. Totally. And it, it absolutely makes sense for what they're doing. Like I've, I've never tried to bash anybody like for a, as a business model, Apple does it. Everyone does it. They, they want some kind of proprietary systems where you have to buy this stuff so that you, you know, so that they can keep making their numbers. Their business is, is their goal is to grow. So by what they do is they push these numbers on their salespeople. They have high pressure saying, Hey, you have to sell 10 cases of peanut butter whiskey by the end of the quarter, or, uh, you're, you're not going to get your bonus or you're going to, you know, or there's consequence involved. Right. So then they have to find out all these ways that they can get people to do that because they have to sell it. And the, the stress just keeps going up, but you know, and it's usually successful. So the company keeps growing. So they keep doing it. And it's just been that forever. But I said, Hey, let's change that. Cause I don't want to be a part of any of that. Uh, we're just, we're not going to play any games. We just have one price. This is like the best price. We just, we have the best service. You don't have to do any crazy minimums or anything. I mean, we'd like to see to, for a custom label, you to do X amount because it, there's a lot of cost. Cause we have to go through TTB. We have to get the thing registered. We do it all completely legal. So it, you know, there's legal costs, there's all these, there's printing costs, there's time costs on doing something else, but we've been able to just make it so efficient that those costs are, are way more minimal for us than a normal company. And so does that mean if I'm a, um, forget a chain of restaurants or bars or anything, I'm a local independent restaurant bar here in Santa Cruz. I'm, I'm the catalyst. I'm Alderwood. I'm Gabriella's. I'm Suda. I'm any of the amazing, I'm home. Any of these amazing, I love our restaurants here. I think we have some of the greatest, I love food. My wife's Italian. We take yep. eating seriously. Um, but anyway, let's say I'm a small local restaurateur and I've always dreamed of my own label. Maybe I'm really into vodkas or whiskeys or rums or maybe all of it. You can do business with me in a way that it, that works for you uh, and it's profitable and works for me that's profitable. That That's what you're saying, is it not? T totally. Absolutely. And then a lot of those people that you actually mentioned are our customers, like Catalyst and, you know, Hula's and all these, like, just name it, Chianti's. Like, so many restaurants, even Coasters, the Boardwalk Bowl. It's like, it's almost like name it. We've kind of taken it because, you know, we have the best products. We have the best quality. But you know, the other thing that, that really was attractive for me. And the reason I will give these custom labels so easily to people, not only is it getting us out of that game where we don't, we don't, we don't have any minimums and all these, like, you have to buy this so you can get this kind of thing. I noticed right away that, you know, Young's and Southern would exchange the well program really quick between each other. So like one day it was all Young's products. And the next day, it was all Southern products. It's because they were fighting over like 15 cents. So they were saying like, oh, buy my products is now the cheapest. I'll save you 15 cents. And the guy goes, ah, whatever. It's all well garbage anyway. So 
that's fine. Just uh, give us that. I said, I don't want to play that game. I don't want to constantly have my reps fighting to like get back in and like that. So the, the custom label, it becomes like a, you know, this object where we're already at the lowest price. So it's not like we're charging a ton of ton of money and like we're expecting people to pay a lot more to have their own custom label. We're already in, we're already right down there with all those. Plus you're now representing your own brand. Plus you now have Hula's brand run, right? Right. Which is so cool. So now that gets us completely out of that. Hey, 15 cents matters. Cause now 15 cents doesn't matter anymore. Cause you're not going to not have your brand. If somebody says, Hey, I'm going to get you. Right. Because if, if I, if my customers like spiced rum and let's say I sell a lot of sailor Jerry and I, you know, as an everyday rum, I love a good sailor Jerry who doesn't. Right. But if I'm a hula's, well, I could sell sailor Jerry. And I guess there's some customers who are always going to want that, which is fine. Or I can say to them, Hey, we just launched our own hula's rum and it's, and if you like a spice, you know, blah, blah, blah. And if I can turn one in five customers into uh, fans of the hula rum, I've started to create differentiation. I've started to create a bond. I've, I've created yep. a different conversation I can have with my customers and hopefully a level of loyalty and stickiness because guess what? The only place you can get hula's rum is at hula's. Exactly. That's that's the whole key to it. So there's so people become so excited over their own brands. And the thing is, they really do build that like expectation from the clients. The reason that it was so key to have incredible products is because once they try it, once they actually have it, then it's a no brainer. It's like, yes, that is going to be my new go-to because it's a killer thing. It's, it's, they don't charge me a lot on it and it's, you know, Hula's brand, right? So now Hula's brand is what people go to Hula's can be something that people go to Hula's for and they expect it. And, you know, we have a, one of our first clients, Chuck Oliver, who's just like huge character. Like he is the character. We actually made a caricature of him put him on the bottle because people love this guy so much. He owns number one Broadway in Los Gatos. He was my first customer. And he made like people go there now to have Chuck's products, you know, with Chuck. And it's like this, it's what makes the bar great now. And let me guess, Chuck holds court in his bar with his booze. (laughs) Yeah, he's the king. And it's the coolest thing. And like when I go to see him, it's like everything stops. And now like this is the guy who makes my booze. And it's this fun cool thing (laughs) exactly and it's and people can have that or they can have something more subtle like hula's is a little bit you know more elegant on that where it's like now they have their prestigious you know hula's brand of rums that they make all their products for and it's a win-win because hey you know what we we're so sticky to those clients i have almost no I, i don't even think i have a single client that has ever left us and we have a lot of clients it's there's been no turnover which is crazy because like this is an industry where you have weekly turnover. There is no loyalty in the booze business, right? Yeah, unless you have your own brand because you're loyal to yourself. Now, before we go any further, I think it would be appropriate. You sent me pretty much the greatest gift a person <laughs> can send me, which is a ton of alcohol, a uh, couple of T-shirts, and you even sent me a flask. Uh, and so as a as a whiskey guy here, I've got your your branded West Side Water. And then you also sent me this stuff called Chandler Automation. And so yeah. before I ask you to tell me about these whiskeys, I want you to tell me which one I should start drinking. <laughs> so both of them are very different. That's why I wanted I wanted to send you both those for two different things. One, because uh, one of them is what I call a house brand is that's who we sell to all the bars and or no, sorry, all the liquor stores and, you know, the Safeways and that that brand's about. So I can walk into Safeway. Safeway and buy West Side Water. 
you will be in about a week. So they just took it on. So um, way to go, brother. Both the bourbon. Yeah, they, they just took the bourbon and the blended. So it's so funny because like the challenge was actually that the great feat was the, the blended whiskey. So that one, I, I didn't know what blended whiskey was when I started bourbon. It's like everything we have to learn about. And there's like these huge learning curves and we get so much education. And I feel you become like an expert because you go through so many uh, learning curves because you have to. And through the TTB will force that education on you. And then like your clients will force that education the, on is you. The- the TTD is a division of the IUD or what, what is that? The, the, sorry, the TTB. I forgot what it stands for exactly, but it's it's the federal version of ABC. So it's like ABC controls all the bar. It's all the licensing for the bars and restaurants. And, uh, you know, it's like it's a California local uh, statewide. Like what? Regulators. In, um, I grew up in Canada and we call it it's called the Liquor Control Board, the LCBO. Yeah, it's uh, the same thing. Same kind of thing. Yeah, it's the al- um, alcohol beverage control, right? So that, and it's a California thing, you know, but they also have the federal version of that, uh, which we have to abide to both. And both of them have different regulations and they don't talk. So they'll give you bad advice about each other. So you have to be very careful. Uh, and it was a huge, that was a huge, massive mess and learning curve, figuring everything out with each of them. But now we've, we have two lawyers, you know, who are actually part of the company. Uh, so, you know, we go through so much, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but, but to figure so it all out. So which one of with, these whiskeys should I drink? <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Well, let me get back to the story. So <laughs> Sorry, John. F- the, the feet of the blended whiskey. I mean, if you like just straight bourbon, the, that straight bourbon is really good. It's a three-year aged bourbon to us for what the price is on that. Uh, I think the stores are going to sell it for something like Fifteen ninety nine or whatever, which is insane. It's an incredible bourbon. All right. Well, why don't I start with a little splash of that? Yeah. Try that and then try the blended. Which is the West Side Water, right? Yeah. The West Side Water. All right. So here we go. You call this Chandler Automation. Is that is that your brand yeah. or one of your customers? It's one of our customers. So I wanted to uh, actually go into the story of, of why I sent you that. So okay. one of the coolest things and one of the biggest reasons we're different. So I've heard of people doing private label for, you know, bars and restaurants and things in a large scale. You have to buy a huge amount to be able to do it, right? Um, Here's to you, John. Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's almost not worth uh, doing because it's such a, you have to buy, you know, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of cases, right? To be able to do that. But what no one has ever done, uh, to my knowledge, what no one has ever done is being able to make a company like, say, you guys, or say Chandler Automation, or say anybody else, their own private label. So Chandler Automation is a is a company, not a bar or restaurant. It's a company that has their own, no private, no uh, liquor license. And so that should be illegal. However, we found a really nice way to actually make it legal. So, because there's a three-tier system that's very complicated for booze where I have to sell to a distributor, a distributor has to sell to a bar and restaurant, and a bar and restaurant has to sell to an individual. Well, in California, with our license type, uh, one of the reasons we got into this and we were able to do it, we're able to skip one of those steps. So we're able to sell straight to the bar restaurants uh, and not to a distributor. We can be our own distributor. And that's why I started building this huge infrastructure out. I mean, we're already in in Reno, we're in... um, over in uh, SoCal and San Diego, we're going to be in Los Angeles, we're going to be in Sacramento, we're just b- putting in warehouses and it's just, we're building our own infrastructure. So it's going to be really big in the next few years. But 
you know, there's that. But the the cool thing that kind of occurred to me is when we were selling to Washington. So selling to Washington, we cannot sell. We have to sell to a distributor. We cannot do it. Washington State or Washington D.C. Washington Washington State. We it doesn't work the same way. So there, every state is different. So them for them, we have to sell to a distributor. So there's a distributor there, and they do this thing, which is totally standard, called a bumper touch. And a bumper touch allows you to ship over a, a you know a full truckload to the distributor. The distributor signs off for it. Then the truck just pulls right out, goes to our actual client, which is in that case Grocery Outlet, delivers everything to the Grocery Outlet. Totally legal. We're selling it to um, the distributor. Distributor's cutting us our check. We do the business with the distributor, and the Grocery Outlet gets their order right? They call the bumper touch. And I was like, huh, why can't we do that with any of our retailers that we have here to regular people who, you know, they're legally allowed to sell to. So I started amassing, you know, kind of like at a coalition of the willing kind of thing, right? Like all the, the different bars and restaurants that Co- like co-conspirators in your pirate right. mission here. Is that what you're telling right. me? <laughs> exactly. So like, and let's see how we can actually make this a legal mission and actually make it so, cause there's, there's, I don't, I can't tell you how many over the course of the, uh, the time we've been around, like real estate agents say, Hey, can I, can I make my own custom thing? And I'm like, well, no, cause it's illegal. Cause I, you don't have a liquor license, but I was like, maybe we can do now like a bumper touch thing. So uh, we do have a pallet minimum for that. Because By the way, I'm as like a side a, note, John, as, as a uh, guy that's worked with over 50 venture back startups in my life, I always love it when entrepreneurs say to me, I'm not sure this is 100% legal, but but stay with me. <laughs> right. It's, uh, well, this one I am sure is 100% legal, uh, but it took us a, a few moments to figure out how to do it. All right. And to, to make sure that it was worth doing. So for us, we do everything by the book. So when we make that, when we made that Chandler automation, it's totally approved through TTB, uh, the regulators, um, you know, everything, the label's been approved, the product's completely above ground, we're, and we're selling it straight to just like, you know, anyone else, one of our retailers that we have together. And those retailers then, you know, they're cutting us the check. So we're just selling it straight to them. And then they're selling it straight to the other. So at the end of the day, Chandler Automation buys it from a retailer? Yeah. But we sell it to the retailer and we, them. they get their cut. Yeah. And we just make the boil that all into the margins. And so they can come to us. They can make their custom design and custom everything. And we say, cool, uh, you just have to write the check to these guys and pick it up right there. Done. So if we wanted to have our own whiskey for this podcast, or we recently have launched a new newsletter called Category Pirates. If we wanted to have Category Pirates whiskey and rum, there'd be a way to figure that out by partnering with a retailer. So we already did the partnership. So literally you can just say, yeah, I want to do it. We say, okay, this is what it's going to cost. What do you guys want to do? And that's it. It's so simple for you. Now you're talking my language here, John. (laughs) We've made it very easy. And like our goal is to, is to have, you know, any company, you know, this is just a different segment. So there's kind of three segments of what we do. We, we do the bar and restaurant segment, which, you know, was custom labels, all the good stuff. We do the retail segment, which was, you know, West Side Water, Hideout Vodka, those things where we can actually create, you know, like a house brand. We sell tons of those things to all kinds of different liquor stores and everywhere. We're building those brands in a traditional fashion. And then there's this new one, which is, you know, just regular companies, just non-liquor license holders. Uh, and again, you know, Chandler Automation is just a company that's doing really well. Um, and they wanted a cool whiskey and they wanted to give it as gifts to their clients. And this was like the perfect gift. 
You know, it's so funny. Um, years ago, uh, as a precursor to my first book, we had developed some custom research. And we wanted to share this research with a group of industry analysts in the tech space and journalists and so forth, because A, it was very cool research, and B, it was great sort of pre-marketing for our book. And so, like you often do for events like this, we picked some really super cool place in San Francisco, you know, some warehousey cool, you know, super yeah. ding dong thing. And, and, you know, we wanted to serve fun drinks and we hired a guy to roll cigars and, you know, do that kind of shit, right? And and so we want when we got to the booze, we we're like, well, what are we going to do? Well, to mix the the drinks, we just bought a bunch of bullet bourbon and we did a custom label on top of the bullet bourbon. And you could tell it was bullet bourbon. And we put our logo and some fun messaging and shit on there. But in an event like that, as a as a company, if we had been able to do what what Chandler is doing with you, that would have been a whole other level of legendary. Yeah, I mean, it's and. He's loves he's actually having custom engraved boxes made for it that have like, you know, all his information stuff for his clients. And, you know, what actually started this whole thing was, you know, that that company LifeAid, which is a Bay, Bay Area energy drink. Um, really cool company. I love those guys. Yeah. Aren't they here in Santa Cruz as well? The LifeAid guys? Yes. Yep. They're here in Santa Cruz. And they, Cruz and am, they I, are... am I right about this, John? They sort of hitched their wagon. Their niche down was uh, focusing on CrossFit gyms. I believe so. I don't know their story that well. I just know their product and it, and I know their growth, which is really cool. Over the last you know seven years they've existed, been killer. So what they what's so cool about the partnership or the collaboration we do with them is they kind of reached out to us and they're like, hey, we want to do a vodka for our celebrities and for this like new party aid thing that we're launching. So party aid is like a recovery product that they've created. So now it's it's really freaking cool. They, they gave us this label that said that was hair of the dog. And it was like life aid, hair of the dog. Just and, it, and they're like, what can you do with this? And we're like, okay, we can gold foil this dog that you had on it and just make this killer. And we did this, this label collaboration. And I was like, I got to figure out how we can actually make this happen legally because I want to make this happen. And that's when the bumper touch thing came. Uh, and I was like, wait, we can just sell this straight through one of my retailers. Like, I'll just sell it to the retailer. Boom, done. And we can make that happen. They're like, yeah, that's cool. And can you do that out of California as well? If a company in uh, Maryland were to call you and say, hey, we'd love to do our own rum or whatever, have you figured out that part, the interstate part? The the difficulty with it is the distribution of it because alcohol weighs a lot. It costs a lot to ship. And I'm sh- the answer is yes, I could sell it through one of our retailers, uh, but it's like you might as well just drive down here in a van and pick up the pallet, you know? Because right. <laughs> it's going to be very expensive to ship. By the way, this Chandler Automation bourbon was uh, spectacular. Awesome. So now I should try this West Side Water, huh? Now this is your brand. This is the this yes. is the one. So you said three segments: custom for bars and restaurants, retail, yep. and corporate. And the retail, of course, this is a brand West Side Water that you're investing in for retail. Yes. Yes. Do you imagine that retailers might have their own? Like, if I'm a New Leaf or whatever, would I want to have a New Leaf whiskey? We have plenty of clients who do that. So there's, you know, in Reno especially, I think we have like three. Um, we have a few in San Diego, and we have Deer Park Wine and Spirits here in Aptos has their own brand, and uh, they actually make a killing with that brand. They do really well with it because it's a fantastic, unique product, and. Uh, they sell it for a good markup, probably their best markup in their entire store. 
and they, they fly through it. Now, I know you guys are a private company, and I want to be respectful of that, but can you give me a sense, John? I mean, you're a new company. What's the growth been like? I mean, clearly you're expanding rapidly, but can you give me some more color on the growth? Yeah, it's extremely scary because of the time we live in, but it's been extremely fast. So like I always say, it's never fast enough when I'm when I'm in it, but then you step back out and everyone's like, oh my God, this is insane. Wow, what you guys are doing? dude, this West Side water is fucking gorgeous. And I, I fucking love the label. It's just, <laughs> it's gorgeous. The crown, it looks like a cool tattoo. It looks old school, but new at the same time. It's this awesome silver that catches the light. I mean, everything about this label is fucking awesome. Yeah. You know what the price is on that? At Safeway, what no. Safeway is going to be selling it for? Tell me. $9.99. <laughs> 10 bucks. They're going to sell West Side water for 10 bucks a throw? For, for that one, the blended whiskey. So we're, we're offering the blended and the straight in West Side water, but the blended, what you're talking about right now is 10 bucks, nine ninety nine. It's crazy. Yeah. That and, and remind me, you know, I'm grade three math was the hardest 12 years of my life. The comparable, is this 750 mil? Is that what this yep. is? That's 750 So this milliliters. bottle of Jack Daniels retail, what does it cost me? Oh, it'd be outrageous, like 20 something bucks plus. So more know? than double. Yeah. And this is a nice sipping, like I'm just sipping it on my own, but I assume if I want to throw some Coke in this thing, it's going to be great, right? Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Both of those. And they're both cheap. Fucking you know? A, dude. The bourbon is extreme, but that's the thing. Remember, the quality is so key. So you have the price point. You know, there's there's three elements that I, I try and you know. There's a formula that I created, which is inc- like the taste and the quality have to be 100 good. Like it has to be a killer, killer product, or I don't even want to do it. It's like let's not even bother. If we can't make it as good or better than everyone else for way cheaper, doesn't even, let's not even do it. So then number two is price. Like you know, again, it has to be like a no brainer. It has to be something that will help people convert. And it's like, you know, buy two bottles, you know, whatever. Um, Then number three has to be the branding. The branding has to be really cool. It has to be a cool label so that you actually like it and you want it, you know. So those three things are kind of the formula where if we can nail all those three things, I'm like, let's put it out. Uh, If we can't, then let's not do it. Yeah. And it's, it's been pretty dang successful. And so as a percentage, can you give me like a sense for how quickly you're growing or any kind of color at all? Well, I'll tell you, like we just had our, our statements for 2019. So this is now our third year of sales starting this January. This is number three. So our first year of sales, we did, I think it was like 325 or $350,000 in the year, our year two of sales. And Year two of sales, I think, was like one point three or four million dollars, right? Um, and now, I think in the first quarter of this, we're gonna, you know, of this year, we're gonna, you know, be somewhere around like four or five, maybe, maybe even six if we're lucky. You know, six hundred k in the first quarter. So it's uh, the growth. I don't know what percentage that is, but it's it's a lot. And the thing is, we'd be growing so much faster, but COVID hit and it shut down all of my bars. So I, I would be uh, so much more. We have so many commitments from these new bars, but it's been like, I almost forget sometimes. It's like 10 months I haven't had bars and the, almost all of them went to almost zero. So, you know, like we were having bars that would spend like $7,000 a month and now they're spending like 300. It's like kills. And the only reason we're here talking to you today, I think, is because we chose to do the non-traditional models and we chose to do diversify ourselves so much that hey if we would have just been bars and restaurants 
oh, we would have just been completely done. But we said, hey, let's have not just bars and restaurants, but let's grow a traditional retail brands as well. Let's let's grow hideout and let's grow these things. Right. What 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 I love about what you're doing, John, is you know all those uh, people from the industry who said, look, there's only one way to do this. You invest everything in in West Side Water by way of example, and you build that brand, and you know you do the Tito's thing as you describe. You said, yeah, well, we're going to do that. We're going to build a great product and a great brand, and we're going to differentiate on price with high quality and all that. But we're going to do these other things. I mean, there's there's the company that makes the branded stuff, but you blend it. It almost seems to me that you're doing the retail branded stuff as a way to prove to the restaurants, bars, and corporates that you have an amazing product, which you can essentially tailor for them. It's it's one of the reasons, but the other, I, I find it really nice to have a balance to ensure my promise. So my promise is to protect the bars and restaurants mostly, right? So retailers, we give them the best price. We're giving them incredible prices for what they're doing. We're making these things they can make a fortune off of. Like people like Deer Park and Aptos has figured it out. They make ginormous margins, the most amount of margins on our products than any other product in their store. But um, the thing about retail is, if I'm I'm selling, you know, sometimes up to 40,000 bottles a month to retail. And if we change the price on hideout, you know, in two years, 50 cents, that could be ginormous, ginormous jumps for us. However, it's not going to affect the end user almost at all. It's like 50 cents for that product. Like Tito's in like a few years raised their price like 12 bucks a bottle. Like it's insane. We'll never do that. We're never going to be that company. This, this, the hideout will never be more than, you know, what you're paying. Like at, at the end game is like maybe in years and years and years go to where like twelve ninety nine or like Sky and those, you know, mid-range vodkas are. Even though that thing could be on the top shelf of any liquor store. It's gorgeous branding too. Absolutely gorgeous label spectacular looking bottle we're always looking at how we can make it better too like we're about to have a gold leaf bear head also i want to wear the t-shirt you know i'm not a big vodka drinker but you sent me the t-shirt and the bear and shit on there and stuff i'm gonna wear the t-shirt too <laughs> cool yeah i mean that's the branding is cool and, and we're just we're constantly just like how can we make it even better how can we improve it without changing the cost um and a lot of the times we're actually able to decrease our costs and make it better it's like if you we work really hard to do that and it's what keeps us so alive because we we're not we don't have to raise our costs all the time because I can actually be smart in the back end and decrease our pro like our materials costs and all these different elements behind us. So then we are becoming more profitable by itself. So you know then if we do eventually raise it like fifty cents or a buck or whatever in a long time, it's not hurting anybody. But it makes us makes it so I can have more profit on the retail side. And then protect the bars and restaurants and never raise those prices, you know, even lower it from where it is now, potentially in the future. So, right. So here's an interesting question as I sort of think about what you're describing. Three-year-old business, growing phenomenally, doing things in the spirits industry category that many thought was not possible. But clearly, uh, your growth has been massively kneecapped by the fact that your customers are... um, you know, pretty much as hurt as any industry has been hurt by C-19, of course, through no fault of their own. And so your growth is being artificially uh, hurt because your customers are being hurt. And so with that said, one day we'll get this shit behind us. 
And one day we'll all be able to go back to the bar and the restaurant and enjoy our friends and family. I assume you're thinking about when that day comes, the phenomenal growth that you've had could be nothing compared to what's possible when your one of your primary customer segments is actually in a position to buy uh, your product. And so what do you, how are you thinking about not just sort of the next quarter or two, but really the next maybe five years or three years, something like that, John? We're, our mouth is watering for those segments to open back up. But we haven't been a company that kind of just sat around and said, boohoo, let's like whine about COVID. It was one of the scariest moments. And I remember when everything started shutting down and I remember I had a conversation with my investors and we were talking about, should we just, you know, should we start laying people off? Should we start doing all this? And I was, and I really was strong and hey, let's not do that. Let's, this is the moment where we can like, you know, really fight for our people or we can just go down with, you know, the boohoos. So what we ended up doing is making ourselves fight really hard for the segments that we could get into. Because sure, the thing is with booze, why it's a great investment is people always are going to drink. It doesn't matter if it's in a bar or if it's at home, they're going to drink. So it's like, okay, we got to chase the drinkers. So let's, let's triple, let's quadruple and sprint on the retail side, which was actually kind of our less side at the, at the time. But it's just like in any recession, it's given us this great opportunity because now we've been forced to pump up the segment of retail super aggressively. And we got into Safeway, you know, we've doubled our numbers at grocery outlets. We've done, we're getting into, you know, BevMo in the next couple of weeks. It's like, all we, Lee's Liquors is buying truckloads, like all these things that we're just like hundred percent, let's go there. And then it's also pushed me to, um, let's make sure to, um, really work hard on the segments that we can control, which is like, or that we, you know, which is the retail side, but also what new segments can we open up, which is that Chandler automation, which is something that's massive. If I can get like Apple, or if I can get somebody to, you know, create their own custom thing, um, that's a, a larger company. We're talking a huge new client segment that we've never had before. It's interesting you bring that up. Um, do you know the Verve Coffee guys by any chance? I do. Yes. Yeah. And so I'm sure if you've talked to them a little, I've gotten to know them over the years. Uh, Ryan, one of the co-founders, used to live near me, and I've loved them since they opened as a customer. But one of the interesting things that they did to uh, catapult their success is they realized that uh, some of the premier companies in Silicon Valley wanted were creating very high-end restaurant cafeterias, right? Yes. And they wanted a differentiated coffee experience. And so people like Salesforce and Facebook and Google, if I'm remembering correctly, all serve Verve Coffee. And as a result, that endeared them to a new consumer set. And so are, are you seeing that with these high-end super ding-dong corporate cafeterias that Maybe a Facebook, uh, uh, you know, Facebook whiskey is this something that you might want to well, serve. So I, you know, I, I feel like the liability and hard alcohol for a, maybe for a Facebook and such might be a little bit too aggressive in a lot of stances. But what we're doing right now is we're constantly innovating. So I'm always trying to find the newest trend. So we're getting into, um, you know, seltzers, like, every, you know, what, that's the newest big thing. So we've been developing hideout seltzer for like literally the last four months and it's coming out so good. It's the, the quality of every other product. Just, I think it's the best seltzer on the market from the ones that I've tasted. Uh, we're going to get a big, you know, you should even come. We're going to do a, a big tasting and just get as much feedback as we can to make sure that is on point 
where we want it to be. The price is going to be killer. And the branding, the, the actual packaging of these things is so cool. We love it. However, this is going to be another custom label segment. So that now this is 5% alcohol. This is way less liable or there's way less liability involved. So it's essentially like a beer from an alcohol content perspective, yeah. right? So, you know, it's, it's way less aggressive than something like that. So, you know, there's for the bigger companies to hand out seltzers and stuff and, you know, to do a company event with seltzers, their own brand, like a Facebook branded seltzer. Totally cool. I think, I think that's right up their alley. And I think that's going to be a big win. So that's another thing I'm really excited about, but just, but also opening up, no one's doing custom label seltzers either. I mean, no one's really doing what we're doing anyway, but seltzers is another thing. It's like, I can now, one of our, I keep talking about Deer Park, so I'll just keep going with that. Deer Park and Aptos, I'll let them do their own Deer Park seltzer with these killer, you know, flavors. And we're developing like 12 and we're going to narrow it down to maybe like four, 12 or four or eight, you know. And so with your product line being so expansive with whiskeys, rums, vodkas, flavored rums, flavored vodkas, et cetera, et cetera. And yep. now seltzers. If I'm, what's the name of the place in Aptos again? Uh, Deer Park Spirits. Deer Park. I can have a complete extensive Lineup. line of custom branded, custom blended products that are only available through me. Yeah. And the, the killer thing is, you know, in our well products, we're not able to save so much money for the bars and restaurants like so you know we're i told you that there's like cheap gross well stuff that's you know the bottom shelf shit that's you know maybe 20 cents more expensive or within 10 cents sometimes you know when it comes to that but when it comes to like spite that spicy vodka they save like 15 dollars a bottle on that one they'd say in the but and the the tiki trash that's like another 15 bucks a bottle so like when you start talking about flavored vodkas, when you start talking about anything that's not just the bottom line well are well, you know, they, they actually end up having a far better quality for about what they buy, the cheapest, cheapest, cheapest thing on it with their own custom label. But when you're talking about savings, you know, you can actually say, end up saving bars tens of thousands, twenty, twenty, thirty thousand dollars a year from all that other stuff that they've been buying. Like Malibu, just use our our house or your own custom brand, you know coconut rum and it's and everyone says it's just as good or better so in the end of the day you're you're really saving your money there um big yeah. time so we can actually really start doing some massive savings making a big making a big difference huge difference. now i'm curious you've been at this for roughly three years right john right right this is the third years of sale so it's been more it's been about four years but we came in with zero knowledge so we had a year of education where we didn't do anything but just set this business up figure out who our target audience is we had no sales that kind of thing so there was a year of, of figuring it out and then started year one of, of sales was 2019 wow wow what a time to start now you know one <laughs> of the things if you look at the research it's interesting a lot of category creating and dominating businesses in a strange way get started during recessions during tough times Oh, yeah. What have you learned about building a business at what is the most volatile economic, of course, forget the health side for a second, but just the recession side, the most volatile time uh, in modern business history? Man, it's uh, I, I, I really look up in some ways to like Elon Musk and these guys, because I, I always see them like Elon Musk took on the space and the car industry when it's like the worst time to take on the space and the car industry, right? It's like 
so impossibly difficult, but he just killed it. He, and, it, but it, you know, it's easy to just think that, oh yeah, he just came in and he just won. It was like, it was not such a big deal. He just put a lot of money into it. This guy, he, he describes it as eating glass, right? It's like starting a business sometimes is like eating glass. And I remember there's, there's so many times where it's, it's really fun and I love doing it and I'm never going to complain about what we're doing. I'm so excited, but sometimes it's just overwhelming because you get these hits that are like, okay, all the bars are shutting down. Now what do you do? And it's, it's almost like you have to reset your mind to this as a game. And it's like, okay, in a game, the levels get harder. So what am I going to do? Here's the next challenge. Boom. Bars are gone. Now what? It's like, okay, I'm going to play at it with, let's pump up the real, the, you know, retail side of it. And let's, let's redirect everybody. Let's come out with marketing material. I'm going to go and like personally go in and drive alongside. Let's up those sales and, you know, do everything we can there. And Hey, let's open up this segment to, like I was talking about to just private companies, a real estate agent now can buy a pallet of, you know, vodka from us. And that's been really successful because it's not that much money where when you buy it from us, you're basically buying it wholesale plus a little markup for whatever the, for, you know, to make it worth it for the retail partner. So it's, it's cheaper than you'd probably buy in the store anyway. So, and you get a whole, you know, great product. So let's pump that up. And that's been one of my newest exciting things because those, you know, all of a sudden I get, you know, here's a five grand pallet here of vodka, 720 bottles of custom vodka for somebody who loves it. Whiskey, boom, here's another pallet. Here's, and then those start coming up because it's everybody. There's so many people who are doing well in this recession. There's so many contractors. There's so many real estate agents. There's so many, everything that's killing right now. And they want to have something unique and special that no one else has. We can offer really that something really, really cool. And uh, this recession has forced us to kind of focus on things like that. How can we make that actually legal and possible? And uh, it's really working for us. And, you know, and then all we have to do is in the back of our head. I never even think about it. I always think about now, what is our numbers today? Those kind of, you know, action items. What can I do to boost what we can? But in the back of everyone's head is, okay, this is going to end. And hopefully, by the summer, you know, and, and summer's our high season. So this could be just a massive explosion because people are going to want to go out to the bars. The newest round of PPP gives all bars and restaurants uh, 3.5 times their operating expenses. And it's not just for employees, it's for operating expenses. So they are going to be, you know, they're going to have some cash to spend. So let's do this. Like we're ready for that to open up and we're going to, we're going to just grow like crazy. That's why we're investing in this massive 30,000 square foot facility from our 6,500 currently. And I'm, I'm pretty much planning on growing out of that. And I've already, I've already reserved the next section of the building, uh, you know, for, for the next space, because like, it seems like a lot of space, but we're going to, we're going to fly through it with seltzers and we're going to get in the canned cocktails, which is really, it's that that's the newest big thing that everyone is opening up for. Uh, we're going to be in, in the forefront of that. We're going to, we're starting out, um, with, you know, hiring out for the canning process, but we're going to build our own, we're going to, you know, assemble our own canning line once, once we make sure that this is a segment that is really working for us, like the other segments. And we're just consistently making our product better and making our ability to change and be different, uh, like part of the company. That's all I want to do is be really open-minded to how can we consistently do things that no one else is doing how can we consistently keep changing the game? And let's, let's, the big first change we had was let's own the bar or own the well. Cause like in the end of the day, 
if we own the well, it's easier to convince people to do all these other things. The well used to be something that was was garbage, right? It's your lowest and the well has a negative condensation to it because you want you don't want the well, you want the top shelf, right? But let's make the well great again. You know, let's make that. It's your it's called your house. Let's have the house be cool. So it's like, let's give you your custom labels for your house. Let's make people start drinking your house stuff and let's make it cheap. Let's make it way better for you. So like those kind of innovations, like that's everything that we do. You seem like such a driven guy. What motivates you to want to do this? I mean, you have an idea second, it sounds like you're testing all these things. You seem like a guy who is intrinsically motivated, but I'm curious, what's your motivation behind this? Well, I I guess like everyone has kind of a lot of different, like for me, I have a a few different motivations. First, I want to I, I, like I said in the beginning, I really, really like to have a company that's fun, a company that's different, something that I really enjoy. So, you know, when I went to visit Looker, you know, the company Looker um, in Santa Cruz, I loved the culture that they created. I loved being like in that company. And a lot of my friends actually work for that company now um, before they got bought out by Google. And it was the coolest thing. Like I go in, they'd welcome everyone. They had their own bar, um, you know everyone hung out there like all their employees hung out there they'd stay there and they'd just play board games after work or they would hang out at their little bar and they just and they'd be working while they were there they're like at 11 at night answering emails and stuff and just hanging out and doing little things and oh well i'm here i'm just gonna get ahead of this tonight you know and i was like that is freaking cool like you actually would rather be here than at your house can i create a company that's like that um because i would love to be a part of that but i also I don't really care about big data stuff um, and, you know, what Looker is all about. Um, I, I do care about something cool that's like custom booze. That's That sounds fun. Um, and I do care about how we can actually make that a really interesting, cool model. So can we kind of combine those two things and make like a company that I really want to be a part of, that people want to be a part of, uh, that employees love, people want to come and hang out at? And, you know, can we change an industry? Because I, I, I always thought like the spirits industry is one that really feels like you, it's unchangeable. You have these monsters in it. You have Southern, they're $20 billion a year revenue company, maybe even more. I think they're like a 25 billion a year or something. And then you have Young's, which is like 13 billion, but they're also merging with this other company. So now they're going to be like 30 billion a year. And then it's like, those are your players. And you have a couple little guys that get lost in, you know, the mess of it. But you basically you're taking on those giants. and when we took on those giants, I remember the first things they did, they reacted very like, oh God, like, let's just get rid of these guys. Whatever. So I feel like it's changed though now. And a lot of the, you know, we have respect, which is really cool. And they don't, they no longer talk crap and they no longer say, oh, I remember they were saying stuff like, oh, their, their stuff is garbage, like blah, 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 blah. Like people are unhappy with it. Like it's stuff like, they were like, what are you talking about? We've only had great reviews, but you know, it's just, it's just competition. And uh, now it's, we're not going anywhere. We're only getting bigger. So let's just play nice. And it's kind of felt like that. And now I like actually, you know, I, we've had those guys even come in and recommend us to places. And it's just been, it's been really cool. And it's kind of felt like we've started to climb this ladder of uh, success in the spirits industry. Um, but I, I guess like your, your original question is why am I motivated? I guess I'm, I'm motivated uh, to change everyone's mindset about the spirits industry and disrupt it because it's an incredibly difficult company or thing to disrupt. It's like taxis 
would not be something you would think could be disrupted well, but then all of a sudden, or even could be disrupted, but then Uber came and it's like, now no one even takes like, what is a taxi? You take Uber. So it's like, can we change, you know, the entire game of, hey, you have to play these weird allocation games and stuff to just, hey, no, those guys, it's like, what they say is what it is. And working with them is this incredible experience. And um, you know, we're able to do all these different things and these fun things that we've never been able to do before with our own custom brands and just completely opening up and kind of proving to everybody that, you know, the traditional way isn't always the only way, which everyone, you know, should know that by now, but <laughs> it gets stuck with people that there's only one way of doing things. And there's only one way this, this style of business or this, you know, industry does business and it all can be changed in the blink of an eye. And you have to be I wanted to be one of those guys who kind of changed that mindset for the spirits industry and and took on these billion dollar you know revenue companies and actually kick some ass. <laughs> yeah, kick some ass, right? That's it. So I guess that's what drives me is I just I just want I want success. Um and yeah. I want to do something cool for the bars and you know the mission statement is let's protect these bars and restaurants. I love bars and restaurants. Love these me guys. Too. Like they're Me fun too. and they're, they're working hard and they're, it's very, 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 very difficult to be profitable in the bar and restaurant industry. Really hard. And something I think that's important to underscore is our local restaurants and bars are culture creators. You yes. know, if you think about where we live and, and the incredible, some of the restaurants you've mentioned, like these are, these are cultural touchstones, right? And Everybody loves to go out and, and enjoy a meal and have a drink with their friends and their family. And and the unique local, individual-owned, family-owned restaurant and bar, like, I, I don't know about you, but I, I think the Olive Garden is a cancer on the ass of America. And the fact <laughs> that some people think that when they go to a place like that, that they had Italian food, it fucking is saddening and maddening to me, right? And so... Right. Maybe it's just because it's my heart, but I love the local restaurant run by the husband and wife and maybe the children work there or the uncle and the, whatever. I love that. Right. And, yeah. and and they have special foods that you love and they do the pasta in a way that whatever the fuck it is. Right. Right. Those restaurants and bars are cultural touchstones. And so it's a very cool thing that you're doing for them, John. Well, the, the coolest, you know, the testimony to that is uh, really we we support bars and we're so in, it's ingrained in our dna to help them and to actually be a different kind of play for them that you know almost all of my employees like a ton of my sales reps ton of them are actually converted over from bars we worked with and they say i love what you guys i need to be part of this i need this isn't it funny how customers make amazing salespeople? they do because they know exactly how to pitch it they know exactly how to talk to them and it's they they had the experience. So they're not selling something that's stupid. They're not selling something they don't believe in. They 100% believe in what we're doing. And they see what kind of impact it made in their business. So sometimes they have to go up and be like, listen, I ran this, I ran, you know, catalyst, and all this other stuff. And now this is what my experience was with them. And it's like, Oh, well, that seems way more authentic than hey, here's some cheaper booze why don't you you know kind of, it's like they have this right. whole story wrapped around of a great experience and they came over here and a lot of times they took a pay cut to work for me mm -hmm. which is crazy because they see the potential they know that where we're going and they're like no i need to be part of this company 
I'll take that pay cut and uh, I'm going to, I'm just going to make it happen with you. I love it. And it works out. Now, John, I could talk to you about your incredible business and I could keep drinking this incredible whiskey, (laughs) but, but I also want to be respectful of your time. Is there anything else you'd like to touch on before we uh, kick out of this one? No, thanks for having me. I, you know, I, I'd love to do this again. Uh, and like I said, at our new facility, that's going to be, have our really cool mock bar and stuff and we can do it there. And you can try so many more things. I, I would love that. And I would love to sort of track your progress over time. You're a very inspiring entrepreneur and you happen to be doing something that I, uh, is near and dear to my heart. <laughs> <laughs> many of us, right? Uh, it's, and it's, a, it's a, such a fun business. So like we, we're so grateful that, you know, even through the recession, we're able to keep kicking butt and, uh, we just, we want everyone's support. Um, we're really not trying to make a ridiculous amount of money off of any single product. We want you know, really, really high quality products for really good price. And, uh, we just want even everybody should be able to enjoy these spirits. So that's, that's what we're about. So John, thank you so much. You're an awesome entrepreneur, uh, legendarily inspiring, and I deeply appreciate your time. And I would look forward to having you come back and and, uh, give me an update on the business. Sounds great. Just anytime. Thank you so much. Thanks, brother. Stay legendary. Cheers. Well, I sure hope you enjoyed this conversation with uh, John. And if you did, why not share it with uh, 10,000 of your closest friends? Make no mistake, if you appreciate this oddcast, the number one way you can thank us is to spread this oddcast. Share us on social media and please forward this uh, podcast to your friends. And make sure you're subscribed because you're not going to want to miss our next episode. You see, we have Amy Baldwin and April Lambert coming on. And they are the hosts of one of the number one sex podcasts on the interweb called The Shameless Sex Podcast. And we're going to go deep and get real about sex and the state of intimacy in the modern era. I'm telling you, this is a very different conversation with two outstanding women about everybody's favorite pastime. So don't miss it and make sure you're subscribed because uh, April and Amy are truly legendary. Now, legendary companies accelerate out of recessions, and you can't hit the throttle unless you have a legendary engine. And that's where my friends at NetSuite by Oracle come in. You see, NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system. NetSuite is more than just a legendary accounting system. It empowers you to uh, manage your business with precision, stay on top of all of the critical things going on, sales, order, inventory, your supply chain, and much more. Businesses running NetSuite report a savings of 50% or more over the cost of running old legacy on-premise systems. So check out netsuite.com slash different today for your free product tour. netsuite.com slash different. I also wanted to share with you some interesting facts. From 2010 to 2020, the amount of data created, captured, copied, and consumed in the world increased from 1.2 trillion gigabytes to 59 trillion gigabytes. That's almost 5,000% growth in a decade. There are very few things that grow like that. And the reason data is growing is because data is the strategic asset. And here's a mind blower. The amount of data that is projected to be created over the next three years will be more than the data created over the past 30 years. Wrap your head around that. This data comes from IDC. 
Well, legendary category leaders turn to Splunk because Splunk brings data to every question, every decision, and every action. Splunk is the leader in data to everything, a reliable and scalable data platform for investigating, monitoring, analyzing, and most importantly, acting on data. Visit splunk.com slash D, the number two, the letter E. That's splunk.com slash D to E. All right. We would like to thank the legendary John for this fantastic episode. What a great guy. What a fun and fascinating company. You can find him on the internet at youblendit.com. That's youblendit.com. My good friends at Atranet have been building legendary B2B websites in Silicon Valley for over 20 years. Check out atre.net today. And my friends at Spiro are the leaders in proactive relationship management, helping you use AI and machine learning to close more sales. Check out spiro.ai today. All right. Uh, I'd also like to tell you about our good friends at One Life Fully Lived, the nonprofit helping you dream, plan, and live your best life. And my good friends at the Drop-In Coalition, a new field trip service for underserved kids in the Santa Cruz area who want to experience the joy of science, technology, art, and math coupled with the joy of surfing. Check out dropincoalition.org today. This oddcast is the sole property of the Lockhead Oddcast Network, and all rights do remain perturbed. We must warn you that this oddcast does get created in a studio that contains nuts, and clearly the creators of this oddcast were absolutely consuming libations. We are produced and edited by the living legend Jason DeFilippo. Check out his podcast, Grumpy Old Geeks technical awesomeness and lockhead.com by sarah knox and jamie J. show notes by gm simon remember that david lee roth reminds us you gotta roll with the punches to get to what's real tom waits was right don't forget to read category pirates go to lockhead.com and subscribe today spread podcasts not viruses thank you candy dandy she keeps all the trains running on time i love you mom and dad and hey colin this oddcast really ties the room together doesn't it Today, our deepest apologies go out to Carson Sweet, CEO of Cloud Passage. Sorry, Carsey, we just ran out of time for you. That's it. Thank you so much for investing part of your life with me. Please stay healthy, take good care, stay legendary. And until we uh, hang out again, of course, follow your different.